Housing to the Aged Action Group, Hague for short, a housing group for older people run by older people. Present Raise the Roof! We advocate for secure, affordable and appropriate housing. So listen up on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. Right, you're here listening to 855 AM 3CR on the AM dial or perhaps you're listening to us digitally on 3cr.org.au. Either way, you're listening to HAG's Raise the Roof, a fortnightly show about housing issues for older people. My name's Fiona and I'm not joined in the studio by anyone today because both of my co-hosts have other things going on. Um, the lovely Pam has an unexpected grandparenting commitment that just came up, which often happens for many older people and probably some of our listeners. So we haven't heard Pam's dulcet tones for a while, so we're looking forward to having her come back in next fortnight. So what I thought I'd do today is give you a couple of little updates from the Housing for the Aged Action Group um, what's going on for us and also hear an interview that I recorded a couple of weeks ago with um, with a resident of the small town of Orbost in Far East Gippsland about how older people are coping with the, um, with the fires out there. Um, but before we get on to that, I thought I would share the news that many um, listeners are probably interested in, which is that our long-term worker, um, Jeff Fiedler, has decided to take a little bit of a rest from his work at HAG. He's, um, he's, going, to be, um, he's going to be leaving us on the 25th of March after 24 long years, um, absolute dedication to older issues, house, older people's housing issues um, in Victoria and more recently nationally. So he was one of the... Um, one of the people that's been around for a long time and, and the public face for HAG for a long time. Many people came to the organisation because they heard Jeff speaking um, at different forums or different events and that's certainly how I first heard about the organisation was hearing Jeff talk. Um, so he will be sadly missed. Um, and if you're interested in coming to say your farewells or congratulations or, um, yeah, just catching up with Jeff because, like I say, he's been on... Um, the national project for the last four years. So he's been interstate um, a lot, flying all over the place and talking up the issues of older people and housing. Um, so we've decided to hold a little bit of a um, gathering to say goodbye and that will be on Thursday the 5th of March at Ross House on Level 4 um, at 11 o'clock. So come and join us if you're inclined um, and, yeah, Say hi to Jeff and bye to Jeff and say um, good on you for all of your hard work. 24 years is a really long time to be in one organisation. I don't think he's had another job in another organisation since he was in his 30s, which is amazing, especially in this gig economy type days when people don't stick around that long anymore. So, yeah, come along um, and celebrate his achievements over the years. Um, what I might do now is go to a little announcement and then we will go straight into the interview with Deb Foskey from Orbost. Well, brothers and sisters, what a show of strength we've got here today. Local issues. So I'm here at the school, kids strike for climate action. Live coverage. Join the, the spirit of this gathering here today at IMARC. 
your voices. So give us a bit of a lowdown about what's happening. There's about 200, 250 people here at the moment. Community struggles. We're now in front of the uh, Tundaminuaya Mōbohina Monument. I'd like to thank Community Radio 3CR, who for the last decade has been broadcasting here. Feed Radical Radio, your membership is vital. A few hundred people about to pass us right now. Lots of young people standing up for their future. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 8377. I'm talking to Deb Foskey, who is a person who lives in Orbost. How are you going today, Deb? Oh, pretty good, Fiona. That's good. Um, the reason that I'm talking to you today is because we're um, wanting to hear about how the East Gippsland bushfires have impacted on older people in the region. Um, now, you live in Orbost with your daughter and your dogs, um, mm. and I know that you used to live up in... Cabinandra, which is about what ninety k's north of Orbost, about that. Yeah, hundred, hundred, hundred and something. Yeah, so you moved there in the early seventies, and it was a co-op, um, which isn't the usual style of or the usual housing that we often hear about. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about what being what living in a co-op means, as opposed to say being a, a homeowner in the ordinary sense? Well. I was a member of a co-op, but actually my house was on its own bit of property that was held tenants in common. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, in the end, I owned it outright after divorces and things like that. But we did form a co-op, the Warm Corners Cooperative. Um, back in the early 90s, there were, the Victorian government was very encouraging of community settlement societies, as they were known, to help people... House. And I guess these were mostly an urban thing, that ours was uh, a rural thing. And the, the idea was to, to buy land and to make it cheaper for people to buy and, and build on. Yeah. And so you had your house there with a bunch of other tenants in common um, who all built your own individual houses. You had your own patch of land. Um, it wasn't like you were sharing everything, which people might envisage, I guess. Um and unfortunately, your house burnt down a couple of months ago, pre-fires, um, and you yes. and you moved into Orbost, into town with your daughter. Is that is that right? It sort of is right. Um, yeah. By the time the house burnt down, I was the sole owner of it. Yeah. And um, I pretty much got it to the stage of perfection. You know, all those years of being owner builders and very poor. It took many decades, let's say, to build the house and then uh, after a few years away in the city and earning a bit of money, came back with some super and was able to do this, the last things like insulating and building a veranda and, uh, and so on. Yeah, and there's a lot of people, I guess, um, who have hand-built their houses in the East Gippsland region. Mm. Um and it's been really sad to see the fires impact some of those houses that have been, as you say, lovingly built over many, many decades. Um, 
you know, in the bush because people want to live away from the city, I guess, in with all the good things it has to offer. But then, of course, with something like this unprecedented fire, particularly in the more remote areas, a lot of people have been impacted. Have you have you been hearing much around um, the mm. local area about that? A lot of people who built their houses in that era, and it was the um, the 80s and the early 90s, they were times when people were making the step and moving out to the bush. Uh, I really feel that era is mostly over. And taking the, the big step and often putting up a shelter of some kind and not always getting a permit for it. Um, but, uh, and a lot of those houses were still in existence, but uh, I know that a number of them did burn in the um, recent fires, especially in Goongarra. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Very, and it's difficult because those houses were built in such a way and the owners of them now are you know, much older than they were then, and um, it's unlikely they will get rebuilt. Yeah. And also the regulations have become impossible to meet um, with fire overlays and, and so on. Um, so, yeah, for many people it's um, just not going to be possible. So it really is an end of an era for that um, for that kind of concept of building your own house in the bush, I guess, by the sound of it? Um, I hope there will always be people who will give it a go. Yeah. Um, but it, it's harder to do that now and, and not be detected or, or you know, not in a battle or, or some other way. But it's, you know, things like double-glazed windows and steel frames and, and so on. Um yeah, they just put out the question because most owner builders are not wealthy people. That's right. So you were in Orbost during the um, kind of the worst part, which was the 30th and the 31st of December, when the fire really, really hit um, East Gippsland, and that's when Sarsfield and Nicholson and Clifton Creek and mm. um, certainly East Gipps or Goongarra, Mallacoota, all of those areas were hit pretty hard. Um, can you tell me what it was like being in Orbost? Um, during those two terrible days? Yes, well, all of us didn't feel entirely safe. I don't know. I think people think when they move to a, a town or a city, for instance, I was in Canberra in 20, um, 2003 when bits of Canberra went up, you know, but people feel as though they're safe in a city or a town. Um, not necessarily that they are. In our case, we'd um, actually been proposed that we evacuate by the authorities who also pretty much closed down East Gippsland for visitors as well. Yeah. Um, but we elected to stay that particular night. Um, we prepared the house as best we could. It's a fairly old wooden house, so, you know, I think preparation's a relative thing in that case. Um, but we sat out in the backyard and, you know, to the early hours of the morning and watch the sky go black and red because the fire did come quite close to all us. In fact, fringe areas of it did burn. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I don't think we actually felt afraid for ourselves, but it was we were concerned about ember attacks, which would have been what 
would have got us. Yeah. Um, but then there were burned leaves falling, but fortunately they'd stopped being red by the time they got to us. That's good. And and I guess one of the things that's really important in these bushfire um, emergencies is communications. Um, and I know that Orbost didn't have power for a couple of days and didn't have mobile phone or internet for a couple of days. Is that right? Um, I think if us Telstra customers, we're all right. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, certainly the power went. And that has actually quite devastating effects for a town. I went into the supermarket and watched them taking everything out of their freezers and fridges. I think the power was probably off for three or four days. Yeah. Um, so it, it just, yeah, all that food went to landfill. That's a pity. Um, yeah, it is. And uh, there's insurance, of course. You've got to actually get rid of it. You can't give it away. Um, so, and all the cafes closed. It was a ghost town here, really. A lot of people did evacuate that for that weekend, but then when the next scary weekend came, a lot more people evacuated, including us. Yeah, right. So there was, um, it's been going for a month or more now of just evacuating and going, and even yesterday there was evacuation notices for some of the towns in the yeah. area. Um, it must be extremely stressful for people deciding to stay or go and then leaving or staying and coming back and forwards. I mean, what's it like for the, mm. particularly for the older people in town? Because there's a lot of older people in, in Orbost. Um, there are. Yeah, mm. so what's it been like for, for those people? Well, I feel that if they haven't got somebody to keep an eye on them, it must be quite um, difficult. I think people don't really want to leave. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> certainly we did leave, leave for a couple of nights, but we decided after that that we wouldn't do it again. Um, start, I think Orgos is, is really quite safe. But um, some of the elderly people who had their children around or other good neighbours, um, that that was... Uh, you, you just need that. Um, I'm pretty sure everyone's got a bag packed, um, with their important documents in it. Yeah. And uh, they're ready to go if need be. But um, on the whole, you know, it's people in um, Can River who are, or other places that have really been, had the roads closed for weeks now. is another place. And uh, any supplies they get are either dropped by helicopters or or come in from outside, they're really... It just must be so difficult for them. Yeah, and the, the uncertainty... really thrown back on themselves. Yeah, um, and it, there seemed like there was a bit of confusion around who was doing what in terms of the evacuation centres or the refuges or whatever, um, and then I guess the supplies coming in too. Um, so has there been much of a response from the from the authorities or from the community to assist people who are needing needing supplies? Look, yeah, part of that problem was the timing of the fires because, as you said, the first wave of really bad burnings occurred around New Year's Eve. And, for instance, the Shire, who's expected to take charge in those situations, it had totally closed down. There was an emergency number you could ring, but 
with one person on the end of the phone. So there just was no preparation. And we had evacuation centres opening up and then getting closed because someone decided they were a bit dangerous and then opening up elsewhere and then getting closed. Uh, There's a lot of things we're going to need looking at after this. And perhaps it does come down to who is in charge and uh, how capable they are. And were there any plans to um, to roll into? And certainly in August's case, there wasn't. Um, in my former residence of Tabat Bomang, we, we did, after the last fire in 2014, we actually did develop a plan. And um, But there was no such thing in August. I guess it's a lot harder to do in a bigger town. Yeah. And I guess the smaller towns, like you say, up up in the bush that have had fires a couple of times before, um, they learn each time a fire comes through how to do it better next time. But Orbost has not been threatened before. Not like this, yeah, anyway. No. It hasn't, but um, it, it, should, it should well be aware. And I think one of the things that happens is a sort of a fatigue sets in. And when I said, you know, that we wouldn't evacuate again. I think probably a lot of people have just thought, oh, yeah, it looks like the fire's getting worse this weekend. Um, It seems to be a human response to things. But we do know that it'll be dangerous weather till till at least the end of February and maybe longer. Yeah, so it's just tired. People are tired of doing it backwards and forwards. They're worn out and the smoke, when there's not fire, there's always smoke. Yeah. And at times that's been really no one goes out on those days because it's pretty dangerous, I think. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention as well. One of the things that you don't really anticipate is the endless smoke um, and how thick it really is. It's very, very full on on some days. Um, And, of course, older people that might have respiratory issues or Mm -hmm. um, lung disease or whatever, I know they evacuated the... um, the residential care facilities in Bansdale and Orbost um, just because their air conditioners couldn't cope with the smoke. Um, But I guess it's confining people to inside, which is okay if you have a relatively okay house, but I'm I'm thinking a lot of the houses are fairly poor quality as well. So um, what have you noticed about that, about just living with the threat of smoke constantly? Well, it's not too good for me because I'm... um not very well yeah. in that regard. Um, and it's, look, everyone's... It's, it's terribly difficult for everyone. Three masks were made available to people. Yeah. But um, they were... Yeah, they're, they're pretty low quality when it comes to really dangerous smoke. And I can't say I've seen too many elderly people wearing them when I'm out. Yeah, because they're uncomfortable as well. Yeah, and I think people just stay at home. Yeah. So the roads have been roads were closed for quite a while, so there wasn't any tourists coming in. Um, and although they're open to residents now, I'm guessing it's still pretty quiet in there. Um, what are what are the plans? Do you know any plans for the coming months? I'm assuming the army's still around, and I guess DHHS will start coming through with with different offers of help. Um, what 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 is the community being told about the response going forward? I don't know that we've been told a really large amount actually. 
not going to be easy with all of that bush burn either um, for anybody. It's um, it's pretty heartbreaking to see and I'm sure... Look, there's so many the apiarists too. Yeah, honey. yeah. Um, and how... Honey comes here, comes from here. And are the honey... How are the honey people going out there? Have you heard anything? Mm. Well, it takes 14 years to Well, it's a pretty bleak sight, I guess, for the in the short term anyway, for the older residents of East Gippsland. Um, so is there anything else that you'd want our listeners to know about what it's been like for people um, living out there? Well, it's, um, it's a waiting game. People are just waiting for it all to be over. But I don't think there's going to be a return to normal as we used to know normal. Yeah. Um, we just have to look at, you know, some people won't stay, even if they weren't personally impacted. They will, um, you know, just thought that every summer might be like this is quite off-putting. Yeah. Um, it's really, I think, the service providers really have to swing into motion and be aware that there's going to be a lot of need for good counselling. Yeah. Um, not to mention just sort of the continued health services, um, the respiratory issues that will arise, not necessarily while the smoke's around, maybe later, but um, let's hope everyone's alert to that. Yeah, because I guess the risk is with something like this is there's a lot of attention in the short term, um, but then the longer term effects when the spotlight's away... Um, maybe aren't being dealt with and Orbost was already losing services. I mean, the whole of East Gippsland has slowly been losing doctors mm. and access to um, specialists for a long, long period of time, banks withdrawing and 
many, many services going, something like yeah. this having an impact um, when the population may reduce even further, but the needs are going to increase. Um, yeah, well, look, we are an older demographic in East Gippsland. It's been um, not just the sort of residents who've always been here from the time, the time of bigger families and so on, but it's a place a lot of people retire to. So we do have special needs here, and health, the health industry, if you call it that, is seen as one of our growth areas. And uh, well, let's hope it, it does grow, and that it is um, people are able to get the services that they deserve. Yeah, you shouldn't get less um, less access to services just because you are living in a remote area. I mean, everyone has no, an equal right. They do, and one feels, however. <clears throat> when we hear, oh, that's a lifestyle choice. Well, you know, everyone does have that lifestyle choice. There's nothing wrong with that. But also for some people, it's just their home and it's where they've always lived. And uh, they're a lot happier living in a place that they know. That's right. Well, thanks so much, Deb. I'm sorry to hear things have been so smoky and terrible out there. Um of course, it's really good to hear from older residents of the bush. Our show is often focused on people that live in the city and the problems of older renters living in the city, but that doesn't mean that people who are um, living in the country don't have just as much, if not more, issues with housing and and access to uh, services and affordable housing. So thanks for your time. I hope things get better in the next um, little while and that next summer isn't as bad. Um, oh, is yes, there any? Yeah. <laughs> so thanks again. We've been talking to Deb Foskey, who is a resident of Orbos, formerly a resident of Cabinandra up in Far East Gippsland, um, about the fires. So thanks again. Cheers, Fiona. I'm Tash Sultana, and you are listening to 3CR. Please subscribe. Do yourselves a massive favour. Thank you very much. Three CR is about community, and we welcome your participation at the station. Three CR is open to a wide diversity of volunteers, and is a great way to connect with Melbourne's activist community. Have you ever thought about volunteering, doing a reception shift, getting a program on air, training in radio skills, or contributing to one of the station's committees? There are many ways to be involved at Three CR. To find out more, go to three cr.org.au and get in touch. Welcome back. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM on the radio um, and you've, we've just had a very interesting interview with Deb Foskey who, um, as she said, is a resident of Orbost now but before that she also um, used to live in a housing co-op which is an interesting housing model um, that would be great to explore further with her because I know a lot of those rural areas tried out those different models, particularly in the 70s and 80s. Some of them went well, some of them not so well. So, yeah, really interesting. Um, obviously, that interview was done a few weeks ago now and things have settled down out there. Um, and I don't know if you listened to last fortnight's show with the assistance with Karen Housing worker Val Marshall, who um, who has been experiencing 
what it's like to house people out in East Gippsland, not just with the fires, but also just generally at the difficulties in rural areas to get access to public housing. Um, so yes, a couple of themed shows for the last fortnight, and I thought I'd give you some info about what's coming up in the show over the next couple of months. We've got some exciting things lined up. Um, we're going to be interviewing Jeff to talk about his legacy at HAG and his continuing work on the national um, on the national frame about yeah all of the advocacy he's been doing on a state by state level, but also with the federal government. Um, and then after that, we will be hearing from um, Ben from the Consumer Policy Research Council, who has done some really interesting research about um, home care packages and the sorts of things that people are using to make decisions about them. Um, so some of those things um, you may be aware of as an older person yourself, or you may think that, you know, it's something you might like to find out more about. So, yeah, if you're interested in that, stay tuned. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll have that interview for you. And, of course, if you are interested in aged care um, and you don't know how to go about getting access to things like home care and personal care and um the things that used to be delivered by local government, you're more than welcome to call us at HAG, at the HAG office, and speak to one of our aged care service navigators. Um, we have a team of volunteers and we have two lovely staff members, Rebecca and Gemma, who are able to assist you with that. They can come to your home and talk to you as well. And of course, any older person that's listening that is struggling to pay the rent or having problems in their retirement village or in their independent living unit, caravan park, Give us a call um, or drop into our office. The lift is fixed now at Ross House, so it's easy for people that don't like taking the stairs. Um, and so we're at 251 Flinders Lane in the city of Melbourne, or you can contact us on 9654 7389. So we've just about run out of time, so I'm going to go to a song now, um, and we will speak to you next fortnight. Something 